welcome to this exploration of an exciting and potentially revolutionary new propulsion concept that may help accelerate our journey to the stars. Please join us as we discuss scientific concepts in this forum we call Jets in Space. Episode 5, Suborbital Uses of IAP. Welcome back to Jets in Space. Today we're going to explore the concept of orbits, escape velocities, and possible correlation with IAP. I looked up escape velocity on the internet and read that to escape the power of Earth's gravity, we have to accelerate a vehicle to 7 miles per second. This translates to approximately 25,000 miles per hour. When I read this, I was at first hesitant to bring up IAP as a means to achieve escape velocity. However, it also inspired another thought experiment. When we travel on an airliner, we eventually reach a cruising altitude of 30 to 40,000 feet, and the cruising speeds are always subsonic, less than 600 miles per hour. Logistical analysis would demonstrate that this is the most cost and time effective way to move heavy loads over large planetary distances. Looking at military combat aircraft, where speed and maneuverability are prioritized over weight in the fighter types, turbofan engines are still used, but supersonic speeds can be achieved as the thrust-to-weight ratio is higher in fighter jets. Another key variable in achieving great speeds within an atmospheric environment is the density of the air surrounding the aircraft. Just a quick review of the four forces acting upon an aircraft in an atmospheric environment. We have thrust and drag, and then lift and gravity. The greater the altitude, the thinner the air. Above 10,000 feet, aircraft are required to have supplemental oxygen, otherwise hypoxia can occur. Internal combustion engines are less efficient at higher altitude due to decreased availability of oxygen for combustion. Altitude restrictions also affect propeller performance and lift generation from airfoils, which are curved bodies, capable of producing lift. Getting back to air density and cruise configuration. When you next fly Southwest, my airline of choice, and the pilot makes the announcement you have reached a cruising altitude of 34,000 feet, she's just telling the passengers the four forces are balanced at that altitude and speed. Lift equals gravitational forces, so you maintain the 34,000 feet altitude, and thrust is equaling drag, so speed remains around 600 miles per hour. As air density decreases at higher altitude, it becomes more difficult to maintain lift on the airfoil and thrust from the turbofan. With IAP, air density for the turbofan is held constant by the airtight container. That's all well and good, but will that help us reach an orbital velocity of 25,000 miles per hour? My honest answer is, I don't know. And as we have said in a previous episode, chemical rockets will most likely remain the mainstay for reaching orbital and escape velocities for the foreseeable future. True experiments regarding suborbital velocities could be achieved via piggyback experiments. If you have ever seen the movie The Right Stuff, this film portrays, in the beginning of the story, the X1 experiments to break the sound barrier. As a side note, I shook the hand of General Chuck Yeager when I was stationed at Andrews Air Force Base in 1997. The X-1 did not take off from an airport under its own power or vertically like modern rockets. 
It was carried to altitude by a propeller-driven World War II bomber aircraft, the B-29, then dropped from the underside of the bomber. The Spaceship One experiments used a similar method. Again, it's all about the pressure, or put another way, it's all about how much thrust can be produced. The Saturn V rocket produced 7.6 million pounds of thrust, but it was also lifting millions of pounds of fuel. The General Electric 90 turbofan can generate 100,000 pounds of thrust, but we need to prove via experimentation that an IAP turbofan can also produce these levels of thrust inside an airtight container. Moving on to my thought experiment. Let's envision an experimental craft the size of a school bus. Attached to each side, both starboard and port, are two General Electric 90s in airtight containers. I'll call these GE90 IAP variant. So there's a total of four GE90s attached to our theoretical craft. Assuming 400,000 pounds of thrust, that's 100,000 times four, and using a piggyback vehicle to get the experiment to 40,000 feet or so at 600 miles per hour, could we achieve at least a minimal orbital velocity or perhaps even reach the International Space Station. As always, thrust to weight will be the determining factors. I believe thrust to weight determines maximum velocity at higher altitude as drag is minimized in the thinner atmospheric environment. One key difference between rocketry and IAP is time of acceleration. Rockets by design burn fuel at a rapid rate to produce large amounts of acceleration over small amounts of time. For IAP, we are not looking at quick bursts of acceleration, but can we achieve smaller amounts of acceleration over longer periods of time? My primary concern would be gravity and the time limit you would have to achieve orbit before gravity would overcome your attempt to escape. In experiments like the X-1 and Spaceship-1, the craft eventually came back to Earth without achieving orbital velocity. Another possible option would be a combination of IAP and traditional chemical rockets. I am praying that we can attempt an experiment such as the above, God willing. Just a friendly reminder, we're going to be at the Experimental Aircraft Association's Air Venture in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, on the week of July 25th. Come check us out at booth 129. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Jets in Space. There are numerous ways that you can help us out. Number one, you can subscribe to this podcast. Number two, you can check out our website, bellinaerospace.com. Number three, you can make a prototype IAP model at home. Number four, you can support us financially on Patreon at patreon backslash jetsinspace. Number five, tell your friends about us and send them to this podcast and our website. Number six, if you have friends and or family who work in the aerospace industry, talk to them about this concept and ask them to check out our materials as well. Number seven, help us find companies who make airtight containers, turbine engines, electric motors, and any manufacturers who may be able to help us move IAP forward. Number eight, I would love to interview aerospace engineers, aerospace enthusiasts, officials at NASA, SpaceX, anyone who can help us move our project forward. Number nine, if you know any investors, venture capitalists, sharks from the shark tank, please send them our way 
we will be happy to let them invest in this project. And finally, number 10, as a Catholic Christian, I would also personally greatly appreciate your prayers for this endeavor. Until the next episode, let's dream of the stars.